You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Sobe here. Excited to be joined by a returning guest. Bree Cook is here from the Pittsburgh Chapter 2015 crew. Excited to catch up with her. It's been a while. She's working on some very interesting and important things related to children and babies and all sorts of good stuff related to maternity. Don't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Reed. Well, since the last time we spoke, just a global pandemic was about all that happened. Uh, where in the world are you uh, living and residing these days? I think last time we talked, you were you were overseas, yeah? I was in Japan. I think last time we talked, yeah, I was doing the digital nomad thing <laughs> before everybody kind of else got on board, which is great. Um, I live in Mexico City now. Hmm. And then same kind of job or change since then, just different location or how would you describe it? I transitioned last year back into healthcare, and now I work for a company called Spora Health. Um, we are focused on like providing like radically inclusive like primary care. That's um, yeah, that really it's like an online kind of business that we're focused on changing the way people of color get healthy and get care online. And so, were you involved in, in founding this company, or did they find you? How did the origin of you being there come to be? I actually, I was interested in being, I really like working at early stage startups. I like being one of the first five to 10 employees. Um, so I kind of came on board. The company had already been founded and they had a team of four people, um, but I was the first marketing hire. Now I'm their director of product marketing. So then in terms of how the company works, do you find moms? Do moms find you? Kind of walk me through the, the process when someone might want to be interested in pursuing your support and services. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Spora Health is kind of the overall healthcare system that is really, again, focused on primary care. Um, and, you know, our goal is to increase health equity um, and improve health outcomes by removing some of the typical barriers that exist um, in the healthcare space. Um, but we recognize we could not have addressed uh, healthcare for, you know, health inequities without first addressing um, maternal health as well. So our program, Spore Mamas, um, it's focused on basically where it's a virtual doula-led maternal support service that is really designed to center the joy and well-being of Black birthing people. So it's it's a cohort-based program that has like a, three key components that like help increase the ability of birthing people to advocate for their desired maternal care. Um, and educate them on how to have a healthy pregnancy and a successful birth because there are so many kind of barriers that exist and specifically like outsized risk for black and brown birthing people. So our product really, you know, it's a cohort based, um, that kind of starts in their first trimester, goes all the way through the fourth trimester. Um, and is really just an opportunity for us to make sure that people know what they're, know what to expect um, teach them how to build rapport with their healthcare provider and their obstetrician, um, and then make sure they have all the support they need so that when things come up, they feel prepared, um, and and we can have hopefully earlier interventions. And one thing I'm curious about: How does one become a doula? Is that a traditional kind of school route? Is there some other entry points into 
that type of, of, of role? What's the, what's the best answer for that? Doulas are so dope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, you know, you have a lot of different types of designations and doulas, a lot of doulas aren't just doulas. They are registered nurses. They're also midwives. Um, but really the job of a doula is to support and advocate for the birthing person. Um, so there's, there's not an official kind of education that makes you a doula. Uh, there's a lot of really, really well-experienced doulas. They're not there necessarily to help you with labor and delivery. What they're there to do is whatever you need them to do in order to support you throughout the the pregnancy process. So a lot of people love to have a doula in the room when they are giving birth because that doula is there to um, remind them like, hey, this is the part of the birth plan. Like the um, Maybe the obstetrician or the midwife is talking about something that's happening during labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and a doula is there to be like, okay, this is kind of what the plan was. How are you feeling? What can we do? And how can I support you? Um, it's a really, and it's actually interesting. There's more and more research that's kind of being um, like developed and that's being done that shows that doulas really do just having somebody there to support you. Um, it really does improve pregnancy um, and maternal health outcomes. With the virtual piece, thinking about that, was that something in place prior to the pandemic and it was always meant to be virtual support or did that evolve based on what happened with COVID? How would you describe that? Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of always been the plan. We feel that, um, again, our our doulas aren't meant to be there with you during labor and delivery. What our doulas there to do for you is that when something comes up, um, you can hop on a virtual call with them. You can talk through things. And then we have like curriculum that every mama goes through. Um kind of what to expect in your first trimester. Here's how to build rapport with your primary, with your obstetrician. Um, And then, you know, questions come up giving, you know, I've never been pregnant, but I have really through this learning experience understood how wildly complicated and how many decisions a birthing person and their support people need to make. Um, And a doula is somebody who's been through this. They've, they've, They understand the landscape um, and they can help answer questions, but more importantly, just remind you of just like, hey, if this is, you know, the type of maternal care that you were looking for, if you really wanted a home birth, this is how that would work. Um, And then they're there to support you so that when it does come time for labor and delivery, um, hopefully you have people in place with you in the physical world uh, to support you through that. Um, But you're also prepared for that. And then also... I mean, where a lot of the outsized risk is for black birthing people um, occurs in the fourth trimester. So it's postpartum. Mm. That's when risk is super, super high for complications to happen. And I feel like so much energy and focus is often put on the pregnant person while they are pregnant. Um, And then sometimes we just forget. (laughs) And it's all about baby when baby comes. Um, But that is also, it can be a really hard dangerous time for birthing people as well. So the doula is there to support you after that and and help. When we come back with Rhi, we'll talk more about this important aspect of public health. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Rhi, working so up close to the American healthcare system, I'm sure you have thoughts and opinions on on how we could improve care in general. Uh, Are you very much into Medicare for all now, or do you have other suggestions or tips on how we can get to a better system that doesn't require so much complexity and require, uh, you know, whole companies that are basically trying to advocate and support you getting to good outcomes? What are your thoughts on that? 
Ah, man, so many thoughts. Um, I mean, there's very, what I love that we do at Spora Health, and this is not just on the maternal health side, but on the primary care side, um, is we have a kind of proprietary training that every provider has to go through to make sure that they show up in a way that is culturally competent. Um, And that's kind of a, I don't know, that's more of an industry term, but really what we're talking about is like care center, uh, culture centered care. Um, so it means that culture, not just ethnicity or race, but something that's a way more holistic and inclusive need to be understood and need to be addressed. And that's the way that healthcare needs to really be centered around because like culture is like, it's your language, your thoughts, your customs, your beliefs, your values, all of these things. And so if primary care providers and, you know, maternal health providers better understand the culture of the person that they're working with, we know that this improves health outcomes because, you know, I'll give you an example, um, something you know, that I've like seen or heard encountered Mm -hmm. through people in my community um, is, you know, somebody who's working on diet, like they're uh, trying to avoid becoming diabetic Mm. and they're Puerto Rican and their doctor told them that they have to stop eating rice. Mm. And I'm sorry, like (laughs) we, we have to, we have to figure out because like, it's not just somebody giving up rice. It's somebody giving up, that's somebody giving up meals with their family. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's, it's really, and I mean, that's a kind of a a small example, but it's something that really matters. And when your healthcare provider can work with you in a way that um, acknowledges and respects your culture, you, they can build trust with you. They can build rapport. Um, And so obviously, you know, our company, we're focused on training people to, to be able to do that. But what we're doing alongside of that is advocating for there to, this should be part of the medical curriculum. There is no standardized training right now in America for primary care providers that focuses on making sure that they are culturally competent. Um, and that is such a huge thing because I think specifically people talk and have a lot of hopes based around racially concordant care. So, you know, if, if I'm a black, I'm a black woman, I need to see a black woman as my healthcare provider. Um, and oftentimes that is great because there are a lot of things we have in common, but just because somebody shares a couple of identities with me does not make them culturally competent. Also, there are just not enough black, brown um, Southeast Asian kind of providers, healthcare providers in this country. So what we would have much better scaling and much better, um, much better time actually bringing into fruition and changing things for people is to make sure that every single healthcare provider is trained to do this. That's well said. Hey, last thing, do you feel like you'll be in Mexico, Mexico city for a long time or you're kind of passing through what's your next stop potentially? This is it's, I left the U S in 2018 and had been like, you know, nomading, all of that. Um, And I've committed to Mexico City. I'm getting residency here, going to live my life here, but I'll probably still travel about four to five months out of the year. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we're glad we got to catch up with you. If folks want to support the work you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. You guys should check out uh, sporahealth.com, S-P-O-R-A health.com. You can find links to, you know, follow us on social media at Spora Health. Um, We put out a lot of cool content about how we're trying to radically change healthcare and uh, Spora Mamas is, is linked to from that website as well. Love it. And we'll summarize that in the episode description. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to check out all the places where you get your podcasts. You can find our episodes there. There's a bunch. Been dropping about two a week for the last uh, couple weeks or so. 
Make sure to follow us, of course, on Instagram at the Zag Podcast. Until next time, we will catch you soon.